Welcome to Beltway Talks, the podcast of the American International Automobile Dealers Association, where we examine the intersection between politics and the automobile retail industry. I'm your host, Hannah Oliver. Today's podcast is brought to you by CNA National, the industry's most highly awarded service contract provider and an AIADA affinity partner of 25 years. Find out more at AIADA.org. On today's Beltway Talk, AIADA's President and CEO, Cody Lusk, is joining me via phone. He's here to update listeners on events in Washington as they relate to the auto retail industry during the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as what's ahead for the industry through the rest of 2020. Welcome back to Beltway Talk, Cody. Yeah, it's great to be here. I am, I'm currently conducting this interview from my basement, um, so things are a little bit, definitely a little bit interesting over here. How about you? Yeah, we're all hunkering down, doing our part, but, uh, you know, with one college boy and two uh, high school boys in the house, uh, we're definitely uh, starting to get a little antsy, so uh, especially with the weather not being great, but we're all get through this, this is, you know, we're one step closer to the other side. Yep, this is true. Well, um, we will go ahead and jump right in. I know a lot has happened in and around um, the industry in the last couple of months. Can you give listeners a general overview of what's happening in Washington, as it relates to the auto retail industry in in the last couple of months? Well, I mean, gosh, a, a few months seems like a few years. Uh, but just, just to kind of go back a little bit, I think, uh, you know, the industry, and I know the association was very fortunate, not so fortunate for our chairman, Jason Quarter, but having him based out of Seattle, having him really at ground zero with his uh, one of his Honda stores, really kind of gave us a sense of a foreboding of what was going to be coming. And none of us, I think, realized it, but I, but talking every day with Jason as, what it, as to what he was going through, and he was kind of making us get prepared. I mean, he asked me to submit to him a plan for how the association could work remotely, how we could have everything done that we needed to do in case we needed to, to shut down. And, and, and I really didn't even couldn't fathom what he was talking about at the time, but we submitted the plan and worked with the staff and got that going. And sure enough, about a week later, we were all at our homes uh, under a shutdown order of our governor. But that that's just sort of how the association kept functioning, which I'm glad that Jason had his leadership to, to do that. Uh, but, you know, Washington was, was trying to respond. I think, uh, you know, this was hitting different states and, and, and different and different severities at different times and still is to this day. But you know they they took a undertook a series of uh, of legislative things to try to help uh, combat the COVID. Uh, the the main thing that they focused on was uh, that, that really impacted the dealer body was one they sent out checks to um, to consumers under a certain uh, threshold to give them money in their pocket to try to get through this. But the other thing was they passed some legislation to help on the t- ease some tax burden, uh, but also these. Uh, what we call paycheck uh, protection loans to try to help give them some liquidity and small business liquidity to get through these times uh, to to prevent them from laying off or if they do have to lay off that they can use this money to rehire and kind of get going and the the kicker and the sweetener for these loans was that if you did if you adhered to uh, what they wanted to do or some of the fine print, uh, which I won't go into all the detail here, uh, that these loans would be forgiven. So that's a nice carrot at the end. And, uh, and uh, So all the dealers are trying to sort of respond to that. That's ongoing as we speak uh, through some various fits and starts. But I think Washington has been trying to react. Uh, obviously, this has been sort of a lifeline for the for the uh, America, for 
um, not just dealers in particular, but businesses and others that are forced to stay in, we're going to need some other things down the road, which we'll get into later. But, you know, there is going, this has been a lifeline. We're going to need some stimulus as we move out of that to kind of keep, uh, keep our industry moving forward. Because again, we're, we're one of the engines of the economy. Mm-hmm. And, um, having said that, that there are engines for the economy. Can you talk a little bit about AIADA's work in recent weeks to ensure dealerships are recognized as essential businesses, especially in their local economies? And, you know, why has sure. this been so important during the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, you know, I was fortunate. It was sort of interesting. I was at a dinner with a lot of other association CEOs, you know, a week or two before this really hit. And we were sort of talking about Oh, gosh, what would happen if, what would happen if this reached pandemic status? And, you know, a lot of us at that time, it was still focused on, uh, you know, the CDC guidelines, which at the time we had sent out under our logo to our dealers uh, that they could print out about, you know, washing hands and keeping a safe distance and, and some of those things. But I think, you know, none of us really thought about the long term about having to really shut down our economy and what that would mean. And uh, I think once we started getting that, we realized we need to highlight what an important role our dealers and this industry plays in helping first responders and helping nurses and helping people that need reliable transportation and the need for dealers to to remain uh, essential in this process uh, since people can't take mass transit, the subways aren't operating or they're, you know, and so we really scrambled uh, to try to make that to the administration. We worked in conjunction with NADA, who's been a great leader uh, since day one on this effort, is to declare uh, and working with all the state associations who have done just remarkable work as well in their various states. But to have uh, the, the government recognize dealers as uh, and dealerships as essential services, and initially in most of the, we got the uh, Homeland Security to recognize that service was a part of that, but we really needed sales to be a part of that. And we kept hammering uh, the administration as a group effort with everybody uh, in letters and pressure and finally got that recognized. Um, and now this is just guidance to the states, but it's important guidance. Uh, and it's up to each state and even municipalities as to what they want to do. And that's been a real source of frustration you know, some some dealers, and, and depending on their counties, they're open one day, closed the next. They can have sales one day, but not the next. So it was really important that we got at least some federal guidance that says, here's what the government, the federal government recommend, recommends, and you could use this as a guide. Uh, unfortunately, not all the governors that are adhering to that, but at least that's something we can use. And it helped us get, uh, like Pennsylvania, for instance, was really shut down. They couldn't even have online sales, couldn't do anything. And once we got the sales uh, recognized uh, and the guidance through there, they were able to convince their governor to reopen at least have online sales. So I think for the most part, except for, you know, all states have some form of online sales available and all have service going on at this particular time, I believe. So it's been it's been frustrating at times, but it's been rewarding to see the industry really come together from uh, the associations, the manufacturers, and everybody to push for the good of the order on this. So, Cody, I know you talk to a lot of dealers, and what are they doing right now to meet the needs of their customers, and how are they staying afloat? Well, I know uh, the great thing about our industry and about our dealer members is the customer and their employees are at the forefront of their minds, and they're doing all they can to meet the needs of their customers, uh, whether that's automobile-related, service-related, or uh, any other way they can. I know we were uh, dealers that were 
helping put together kits to provide uh, PPE uh, for uh, the various hospitals and, and other facilities around. I know that dealers were calling around to see if anybody needed help uh, getting supplies delivered to their house or groceries delivered. So they're really doing all they can, really highlighting what they are in their communities, and that's pillars in their communities, to serve the greater good, to serve the needs. But they're also doing all they can to make sure that they uh, whether they're servicing a vehicle when they bring it in, all the measures are being taken to to make sure that this is safe. Uh, everybody's got you know masks and gloves and sanitary you know, things. So everything's going off as well as can be. And I mean, you know, consumers should never hesitate if they need anything done, any repair work call. There's uh, you know the dealers will handle it. There's a lot of sales happening uh, online. And a lot of other questions being answered. There's home deliveries. There's all kinds of things going on that highlight, uh, you know, what dealers mean to the customers and mean to their communities. Is there anything in particular that has impressed you most about the industry during this unprecedented time? Well, I think, you know, what always is a great reminder is how uh, this industry is so competitive. And it's one of the most competitive and cutthroat industries from a day-to-day standpoint. But when this industry is threatened, it really pulls together. And it's been fantastic to see what the dealers do uh, in their communities, how they've rallied around their first responders, the workers, the hospital uh, nurses, the doctors, you know, sending food, sending all they can, providing cars. I think you've seen the, the state associations, the metro associations, national associations all come together, the manufacturers doing their part. Um, even the, uh, the the other partners that we have in the industry that are doing what they can, uh, because they all know that we have to pull together to to save this industry, to keep it moving forward, so that we can live the fight again another day. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a bit? And I'm I'm changing gears here just a little bit, but can you talk a bit about some of the economic relief programs aimed at dealers during this crisis, um, particularly the Paycheck Protection Program? You know, one of the unique things that came out of uh, the Corona 3 package that we call it was a new loan program to help small businesses and including automobile dealers called the Paycheck Protection Program. And this is a, a brand new uh, loan program I mentioned earlier, but uh, it was designed to to give liquidity to those companies and small businesses uh, to help them to, to give them, incentivize them to retain their employees and give them the cash they needed to kind of keep going. And so this was created, but by creating this, there's kind of all all sorts of new things that come on and uh, come on board with that. And, and uh, you know, the banks had to get on board. This was all going to get run, it was all being run through the Small Business Administration, which was used to doing a lot of smaller loans and, a, and a, you know, a whole lot less volume. And all of a sudden, this was thrust onto their plate. Um, and in conjunction with the Treasury Department, and we were all deciphering, you know, what does this mean? Are dealers qualified? Uh, we determined, you know, there was a 500-person uh, employee threshold. We were able to get through that. And then, then certain franchises needed to have their own SBA codes, and only about half did. And so every, the industry kind of rallied around, and uh, working with NADA's team, they we were able to get the manufacturers to get their codes. And so all this was kind of you know, all was being done behind the scenes to enable our members to access uh, this capital when it became available, because we knew that it was not going to be near enough. The the supply was not going to meet the demand, and it didn't. 
they just allocated another uh, 300 and I think uh, $20 billion that's being in the pipeline right now. They're trying to get through. The site was supposed to was opened up at 10.30 a.m. yesterday. Four minutes in, it started crashing. So there's a lot of frustration because small business, not just automobile dealers, I mean, businesses in general need access to this money, want access to this money, and uh, are trying to do what they can to stay afloat. And, you know, it, it highlights kind of, I've been on the phone with the banking industry. You know, I've got a lot of friends that are CEOs of those associations. We're, walk, we're all working in conjunction to try to do what we can to get this money through this pipeline. To be fair to the SBA, they're talking about doing 20 years worth of loans, what they would normally do in 20 years, they're going to do in two weeks. So they just weren't prepared for the volume uh, that's going through there. But we're hopeful that this will all get back online. There's, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, the banks want to do the right thing. They want to get the money in the hands. I've had bankers calling me nonstop for the last two weeks, offering to help. Uh, they want to get the money to the dealers. They want to get the money to the small business. But the, the real thing is there's just not going to be enough to go around. And, um, you know, we're going to need to see some other economic incentives and some other packages come through to benefit the American consumer and American businesses. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, speaking of what comes next, I know that looking forward, there is been talk about a cash for clunkers 2.0 and among other things as a way of jumpstarting the auto retail industry in the coming months. Um, do you have any thoughts on this and what you yeah. think our industry needs to keep moving forward? Yeah, I think there was, you know, there was some talk early on. I think it was a bit premature from Ford kind of floated this out. And I think we need to, you know, I think that the government has been pretty clear. Uh, they wanted to give a lifeline to the consumers in the industry. They didn't want the industries coming in except for the airlines to kind of say, we, we want X, Y, and Z. Uh, we're trying to have our members take advantage of, the, of what's available now. Uh, knowing that there will, there are going to be more packages come down the road, and we'll know how to craft those and what to craft to incentivize customers to buy cars. This was a health problem that's manifested itself into a an economic problem, but the underlying fundamentals of the economy were sound heading into this. So it's a little different dynamic than what we had heading into the cash for clunkers uh, round one years ago. But there will be something. I mean, obviously that's a model that's there that they may want to replicate. I've heard a lot of different things being discussed. There may talk about the initial cash for clunkers had a more of an environmental component. This may have more of a safety component to trade in to get a safer car or more up-to-date. You know, the fuel economy may be part of it as well. But I think they want to do what they can to incentivize customers to come in and, and buy vehicles to jumpstart um, the economy and the industry. And we'll be supportive of that, but we want the industry uh, to work together um, we don't need anybody, uh, you know, any, we need, we need to all coalesce around one thing that we're pushing for that we can all support that will benefit everybody as a whole, which will lift the entire industry segment up. So I think that's the, the key that we have. And I think the fundamentals are there um, and the, the working nature of the industry is there. We just have to kind of see that through to fruition. Well, it sounds like um, a lot that will be coming up in the coming months. So um, just to wrap up, do you have any final thoughts for dealers? And what do you want them to know about what AIADA is doing in Washington in 2020 on their behalf? Well, I think it's dealers need to know that we're going to get through this. And I think dealers are optimistic people. And we've seen our optimism level increase. You know, from a few weeks ago, I was not having a lot of very fun conversations with dealers across the country, which was reminiscent of 2008, 2009, because 
dealers were having to lay people off, but they were frustrated. None of us knew what these stay-home orders were going to be, what they were going to entail. In some instances, they were getting unclear guidance from their own government as to whether they could sell cars or not. So I think there's a little more certainty now. There's a little more comfort in the operational standpoint that we've sort of hit hit as low as we're going to go, knock on wood, and we're kind of on the upswing now. But I think that highlights this: what's great about our members, what's great about this industry is we pull ourselves up, we work our way through it, we find a way, we work together. And that's what, you know, the dealer leaders at AIEDA have, uh, you know, instilled in us as the staff to kind of work, communicate all we can about what's going on, about what can meet their needs. And, and we've got a series of webinars that are going on. We've got other publications. We've got a website. I know, like I said, NADA's got a phenomenal site. All the state and metro associations, we're all, we're all getting as much information as we can out because there's such a thirst for this. And we know that, again, we're one step closer to the other side, and we're going to get through this together. Well, on that note, um, I just want to thank you for joining me via phone for uh, Beltway Talk. It's been great to have you, and I'm sure we'll go ahead and um, have you do another podcast again here in the near future, and you can kind of update all the dealers. Yeah, great to be with you, and I look forward to uh, seeing you in the office soon, Hannah. Sounds good. That wraps up this episode of Beltway Talk. Thank you for listening in. As a reminder, you can find all of AIADA's COVID-19 dealer resources on our website, at AIADA.org slash coronavirus. Thanks and join us again next time for Beltway Talk.